0: I used to be... Not when you brush every day with... A special plastic...
1: Welcome to HPTV, episode two. We'll be diving into the actual pilot of Twin Peaks now that we've actually watched it. Uh, Hey, Brendan, how are you doing? I am fantastic.
0: How are you doing? Pretty good.
1: I rewatched the pilot twice, so I hope I'm prepared. I actually really liked it, surprisingly. I liked the pilot. It was fun. It was was weird. I'm surprised that some people, like I've done a little homework on just episode one, to prepare Mm -hmm. and a lot of people comment that it's not that weird they don't pick up on the weirdness and i definitely picked up on some strange things happening in episode one i like i can't (laughs) imagine like in 1990 when this aired that people weren't like this is fucking weird
0: no i i completely agree if you don't call this weird i think that might just be a personal problem i mean on just just the the first few ideas that that come to mind uh Dale Cooper gets a table full of donuts, all arranged, uh, three on top of each other, each spaced out like three or four inches apart. You have Nadine testing her the blinds, the the drapes in her living room. You just get like the most absurd things that just completely come out of left field.
1: Yeah, they're they're, and I want I want to specify they're weird and good ways. They're not weird that they're off-putting to me. Mm-hmm. I like that they're a, a little weird. Um, I just can't imagine in 1990, like, regular people watching this and not being caught off guard.
0: Oh, yeah, because this this aired during... I, I'm pretty sure it aired during, like, primetime television. Yeah, Um. the pilot episode
1: aired on Sunday, April 8th, 1990. And I think and I... the second half of the episode aired, like, two or three days later.
0: Oh, okay. And that was... ABC I think on or ABC NBC. okay yeah
1: I think CBS produced it I, I may be wrong I think CBS produced it and a, it ran on ABC and now CBS owns the rights okay I'm not sure I'm, I'm almost 100% sure though that it was produced by CBS but then it came out on ABC but we both also agree. the pilot had a pretty hefty budget it was like a million to like three point something million just for the pilot which for a TV show in 1990 is pretty insane so,
0: you know, I, I haven't really done a whole heap of research into the behind the... I know that the box set that we both have has hours and hours of bonus footage on it, which someday I'll probably check out. Um, but I I'm kind of curious as to if this was originally intended just to be a movie. Well,
1: apparently there are several versions of the pilot. One of them being for the Europe, like the European market. And I don't think they had exactly too much faith in the show, like airing to completion over there. So they filmed a pilot that wrapped up the entire story that I haven't watched. I haven't watched it. I don't know much about it. I think it was supposed to be treated as just like a one and done deal for those markets. But I don't think we ever got that here in the States. And I think there's another one floating around out there, too.
0: See, I. I would be so frustrated just watching this pilot as one self-contained entity. And you have, uh, I, I guess I'm going to bring it back to this being weird. You have all this, and this is a word I'm going to use probably a million times over the course of this show. But it's its so idiosyncratic. It, I, I hate to describe things as Lynchian because I, I feel like that's kind of a cop-out. And with this being made by David Lynch, I almost think this is the most Lynchian thing he—and I'll probably get shit for this, but I think Twin Peaks is the most Lynchian thing he's ever done. And just watching this pilot alone as a self-contained entity, which reveals— the killer at the end of it i wouldn't be satisfied there's so many questions people act so odd in 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 ways that that we look at it and like i would love to live in this town because it's weird as hell the people are weird as hell um but there's just so many odd things that are brought up i would be upset to see this as one singular hour 40 something minute thing and then move on to the next movie how could they even do it i don't I don't see
1: how there could be a proper resolution at all. That's satisfying. That's satisfying in the two hours that we got. But oh,
0: there, I mean, maybe it, when
1: I'm done, maybe I'm done with the series, I can watch it or find it somewhere and yeah. see how they do it.
0: Yeah, uh, something that that I've written down in my notes for this, and this is kind of tangential to to what we're talking about uh after the killer reveal there's a a scene from this episode i'm not going to tell you which one because uh, i think that might be a bit too spoilery uh but after we find out who the killer is there's a scene that i'm going to have you go back i'd like you to go back and rewatch in this episode uh, where upon my i've also uh watched it uh twice um in preparation for this and there's a scene where the killer practically reveals themselves, but subconsciously i kind of really like it and it's smart and it's subtle uh but i it, we'll, we'll get into the we'll get to there when we get to the reveal
1: no spoilers no spoilers also i say from now on instead of saying david lynchian we say david finchian
0: Okay. This is a very, (laughs) it's very, and Hey, uh, one of the first images we see is a bird.
1: Yeah, we do. I, I really love the theme song. Okay. It is very soothing. Very soothing. I could listen to it on repeat. I've actually been listening to it on repeat on YouTube (laughs) while I'm at work and I'm not Uh, pulling my hairs out. Like I'm, I'm listening to this theme song.
0: Uh, you know that that was <clears throat> that was one of the since we start each episode with the theme uh, that kind of, I, that was the first thing that I kind of wanted to talk with you about. Um, I know that the the guy that made it his name is Claudio, um, last name starts with a B. I'm blanking. Uh, I know he died last year. Uh, there, in the, the you're talking about the 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 credits theme. I think it's called Laura's theme or Laura's song. I think so, yeah. Uh, it is, it's so beautiful and uh, I I promise this will be the last time I say something like this, but throughout the episodes, how they keep that song and just change minor details of it to convey um, a completely different emotion during scenes uh, and I mean they even use it to change the genre just, the power of that song through this series is is absolutely beautiful so do we want to get into the episode breakdown uh yes i think so so i don't know
1: exactly how we're going to do this every episode um but while i was watching it the first time i was just quickly jotting down notes okay um maybe we'll do away with it in the future if people don't like it or maybe we can continue with it um, this way, we can just whatever jumped out at me while I was watching. I just basically threw it out there.
0: And I, I, I think that's kind of a uh, fun with this. This being your first watch, it'll be. I mean, I've, I've kind of, I've read the notes already, but it'll be interesting to talk about the things that stuck out to you enough to want to write them down to bring them back up. So I'm, I'm very interested to see to see where that goes.
1: So one of the first things we're introduced to is. A beautiful, wonderful, gorgeously attractive woman who we come to find out is Mrs. Packard later on, and she's sitting at a bar. um, And a fisherman announces that he's going to be going out to go fishing. And that's when he comes across a woman's body wrapped in plastic, who we find out is Laura Palmer. I was actually surprised while watching this how quickly we get to Laura Palmer's body. Oh, yeah. Like, it's literally within the first, what, two minutes? if that it's right away you're introduced to there's a body she's wrapped in plastic call the cops
0: uh and i i think oh go
1: mm-hmm. ahead no i was going to say um also i don't know how old timey the show is supposed to be it feels like it's in the 50s maybe the 60s some of the the jargon that they're using is also like very strange like he says put harry on the horn i feel like that's something like that you'd hear on nick at night back in the like <laughs> 90s when they had shows on from the 70s Uh,
0: my my thought is I think it's just kind of supposed to be you know we we do kind of somewhat find out you know the specific time frame but I I kind of like that idea of this town just kind of exists in its own bubble kind of untouched from from the outside world, really, and then when the outside world does start digging its fingers into Twin Peaks, that's when girls start dying. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, especially. Well, I don't want to jump ahead too much,
1: but they are like in their little insular little pocket.
0: Uh, uh, real quick, just one thing I wanted to say about the beginning is uh, Josie Packard is one of the uh, I'm not even going to say handful because that's too many. Uh, but I'm going to use that word. Uh, Josie Packard is one of the handful of minorities in this show. Uh, this show is very, very, very white. Is um, it? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, uh, Pete, the the guy that, that finds uh, Laura Palmer's body, a longtime collaborator with david lynch uh if you've seen a racer head i have not seen a racer head okay he plays the main guy in Eraserhead, head and i i just i love when they work together um i believe he did pass away before the return started filming or he passed away during the filming of it i can't remember if he's in the return um but yeah jack nance is an incredible actor and I uh, he has some amazing lines, and and you just pointed one of them out, and I, I just Put love it every time horn. he speaks. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then immediately from there we, we get introduced to Lucy, who I guess is the dispatcher for the police station. And mm-hmm. right away, I love Lucy. She is she needs her own show. She's got this very unique voice. Um, I don't know what she does, but there there. Are there multiple phones in that room? Because
0: right away she's like, pick the brown one. Or... Um. Yeah, I think like some are internal, some are external.
1: That just goes to show you how weird the show is because I feel like in a regular TV show, what is the purpose of having those multiple phones like that? Like, why would she need to specify in a row of phones which one? Just pick
0: up the phone. Uh. And, you know, I, I think this is the... This is kind of a perfect example of how uh, David Lynch can take something that is uh, so mundane as working the front desk for a small town sheriff's office and just add another layer to it of why is she doing that? And uh, the, the character, the, the actor that, that plays her, uh, Kimmy Robertson, um, uh, she has such an iconic voice and a cadence. And I know that after this show, she kind of, like Bobcat Goldthwaite kept that character going, and it didn't really work outside of this show, as, as you could probably tell. I feel like a line like that
1: in any other type of series or movie would have just been edited out. Mm-hmm. But David Lynch keeps it in. And I think it really... It stands out because it's so weird yeah. the way she she reads it out. Like as if they're playing musical phones or something. <laughs> so anyway, so we fast forward a little bit to the police arriving to the scene and they declare that it's Laura Palmer's body who happens to be a 17-year-old popular girl from high school. She's like well-known, beloved. She's like the perfect girl next door. And um, we see... Her mom waking up, looking for her daughter, can't find her, and she just assumes that she disappeared into the night with her boyfriend. Typical teenager stuff, nothing strange. Uh, so once uh, Laura's mom starts searching for her and can't find her, we immediately cut to an iconic locale in the show, the Great Northern, where a woman who we still don't know who, who she is, who turns out to be Audrey Horn, um, she walks out, and she walks into a Mercedes while wearing these very classy spectator shoes. Um, I was immediately obsessed with her. I didn't know, later on you find out she's a high school student. I thought it was a grown ass woman, (laughs) like a a rich grown ass woman um, leaving a hotel and getting into like, I don't know, her Mercedes with with a chauffeur. Uh, She's a complete badass. Uh, She's also kind of an asshole. Is she a badass i I don't think I've seen it yet other than seeing her be a menace. Does Audrey have like some crazy moment later on without any spoilers because up to now, I just see Audrey as this rich girl who is a menace to society after what I saw later on in this episode
0: yeah i I, I think that's that's uh I kind of worded it incorrectly she's she's someone that kind of thrives on drama and I love this idea of her. Uh, Kind of like in a scary movie, too, when the rich girl gets to school and then she uh, she takes off her regular clothes and she's wearing like a skin tight dress and she puts heels on. Like, I just I, I like that idea of of Audrey, you know, leaving basically where she lives in the morning her father thinks she's going out as one, you know, looking one way and then right before she gets to school she's like, "Nope, I'm putting these heels on and everything." I just I I think she she's every I just love every character in this show. Everyone is just so weird and different in their own way and I just I I appreciate uh and I, I the acting is stellar. It's I I forget who plays her. Um but no, I I, I think yeah, she's
1: amazing. Yeah. Honestly, I had no idea she was a high school student until she gets to her locker and you see her switching the spectator shoes for, like, heels. She's smoking a cigarette at her locker. She just seems like a badass to me. You know who she kind of looks like to me as well? She gives me Brittany Murphy vibes from Girl Interrupted.
0: I have not seen that, so I will take your word on that. You've never seen Girl Interrupted? I have not. Isn't Hilary Duffin that? No,
1: <laughs> that was way before Hillary Duff's time. Um, Angelina Jolie's in it. Winona Ryder's in it. Brittany Murphy's in it. Mm. It's about a girl that gets um, she gets thrown into an asylum for being like bipolar, and she meets like other people that have been thrown in there. Mm. It's based off of a, a true story.
0: Oh, okay. I have it's not It's from heard- the early nineties. Gotcha. So it's not a comedy so this is this is a part
1: of the show that I really don't understand yet, um, but Laura's father, Leland Palmer, mm-hmm. is shown like he's preparing to try to sell property to norwegians um and in the middle of this, he's interrupted by the police, and that's when they deliver the information that his daughter has been found, and she's dead. But is there a reason why? without getting into spoilery territory, or is it just David Lynch being David Lynch, the fact that it's Norwegians? Like, are there a lot of Norwegians in Washington?
0: Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't I, get it. Like, why Norwegians? I Again, I think that's just going to be one of those uh, Finchian things um, that that we get, because I, I don't and think then, that like, there, we, there is a rhyme or reason. It's clearly, like...
1: Meant to be Norwegians, too, because later on they were referred to as cheese eaters. Which I did some (laughs) digging. Was code for, like, rats, but also Norwegians because they eat a lot of cheese. So, clearly they worked in that line because they were Norwegians. Also, who
0: says cheese eater? So random. Is that, like, an old-timey term? was, Was there like a time in america where americans and norwegians were in turmoil because it it, because hearing that from you it kind of sounds like it's met it's played up to be an offensive line i just took it at face value
1: i mean it could be um we're not really central to that area so i don't really know the like the demographic of washington So it's kind of foreign to me. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. (laughs) The significance. If if there's like a large Norwegian population over there and they use that term, it stood out to me because you don't hear cheese eater thrown around very often. No, never. So I had to Google it right away and look into it. And that's when I found out that it was specifying person who eats cheese, a.k.a. rat, which...
0: I I wonder... (laughs) <laughs> I I wonder if people call Green Bay Packers fan ch- fans cheese eaters. Why? Oh, cuz uh Green Bay Packers fans wear like giant blocks of Swiss cheese on their head. They do? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because Wisconsin is like uh, a a big cheese cheese area. I think we get a lot of our cheeses and dairies from there. I don't
1: know too much about
0: sports, but I know Green Bay Packers, like, don't they wear green? Yes, yeah, they wear green, um, and which makes the, the yellow cheese hats look uh, very out of place. After we get to the cheese eater comment,
1: we move on to the famous Double R Cafe. Mm. So the cool thing is that the Double R Cafe is actually a real diner that's still in operation in North Bend that's currently called Tweed's Cafe, Um, It started as Thompson Cafe in the 1940s, changed to Marti Cafe until 1997. The actual double, Double R Diner was filmed on location for the pilot, but afterwards was recreated into a soundstage for the show. And in 2000, it was named Tweed's Cafe, which is still in operation. And
0: rumor has it their pie sucks. That's unfortunate. And, you know, I don't know why they wouldn't play into being the Double R like do you, do you think that was maybe a rights issue where whoever owns this property was like no you can't do that like this would be prime for i would assume what is a small town um for their like tourism real estate i'd go to there it must be a trademark thing it must be
1: intellectual property related because they would be silly not to yeah i know that the inside the inside looks nothing like the shows inside mm-hmm. apparently from from what I've read but they are covered in like memorabilia and stuff that you can buy that's related to the show okay so you would think that if they could they would change to double r or something I wonder if they have to give a cut of that to someone probably (sighs) that's slimy I would love to visit still like regardless of terrible pie or not
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you have a favorite kind of pie
1: Probably. Um, I really like sweet potato pie. Um, the only pie that I really don't like is apple. I mean, I'll uh, eat it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, now, I've I don't been... eat apple pie. It's <laughs> not that I dislike
0: it. I've been getting into uh, some strawberry rhubarb pie lately. Mm.
1: I don't think I've ever tried that. I don't think I've ever had a strawberry anything pie. Oh. So good.
0: So good.
1: (laughs) That's all I got on strawberry rhubarb. I mean, I like peach cobbler. Peach cobbler is pretty good. I like a good cobbler. Oh, I know. Okay. My favorite kind of pie, key lime pie. Never had it. 100%. Mm. Like, if you get a nice key lime pie when you're in Key West, it's, it's like the best. So I don't know if you noticed while they were in the high school... Some of the weird things that you see, there's, like, a random nerd in the background in the hall that's just, like, moonwalking. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as as Aubrey's, like, leaving, you can see him in the background, and he's, like, finishing up with his locker, I think, and then he starts, like, dancing.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, we should be keeping a tally of things that are just plain weird that we have zero explanation for. (laughs)
1: I mean, it's not that weird because I feel like there's definitely students around that dance in the hallway. But I feel like part of the magic of like the dream is that it's normal, but just off by just enough to feel like out of place, but not too out of place that it calls your attention. And that's one of the things like Um, later on, like maybe a few scenes later once they announce that Laura Palmer has died, there's a girl that's, like, outside just running and screaming. <laughs> and you don't know if it's because she got the news that Laura's dead, but it seems like a very big overreaction. Unless it's just a random girl screaming outside.
0: Um. Yes. Because uh, initially I thought it was um Donna. When I when I was re-watching it I, I thought it was Donna, but then it cuts back to the classroom and Donna's still in there, so that's just that's just another uh, maybe she somehow heard the news first um, maybe she's involved maybe she's involved
1: um, okay so what do we think about Bobby? Bobby is definitely weird. I feel like he's innocent because he's totally oblivious to what's going on. He just prances into the school like nothing's up. Even to when he's approached by the police. There's something about him that just makes me feel like he's just a dumb dumb. And he has no idea what's going on. And um, he's kind of like a
0: victim of circumstance. So uh, that, that line that I was referring to earlier with... Laura's mom she says something when she's speaking to the cops that Laura came home from Bobby's at nine thirty, so I I think that it's fair to say contextually the police even though you know we see in this episode after Bobby's um interviewed um Coop says to uh to sheriff truman you know he didn't do it and i think that this is just one of those small moments that show uh, that 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 david lynch is and and mark frost uh by proxy um they're they're fantastic writers and i like how they 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 weave that small little detail in yet we still know that bobby's gonna get at the very least, arrested and questioned, if not charged automatically. Um, but it, Bobby is a complex character. He's he, he's almost kind of punk rock a little bit. He, he's a piece of shit, don't get me wrong. But he's also a little punk rock. He's rebellious. Uh, his, his father is a, a high-ranking military officer. Um, he, he kind of, uh, he, he drives drunk with his best friend, you know, uh, I, I feel like he, like, I don't feel like, I know he, he's a very troubled kid and I like kind of what part of this character's life we are getting to see for the first time. Who's the other one? I forget his name, the blonde guy.
1: Um,
0: I don't remember his name. He's constantly like
1: chasing donna but no, i feel like i've seen he's, him he's in something else recently i don't understand why he's constantly chasing donna it doesn't make sense to me
0: that that that, uh, okay. that relationship seems so unbelievably toxic oh my god well i i mean he's yeah. he's yeah he straight up pretty much assaults her at the gas station um it's yeah he's a piece of shit donna deserves better
1: So we see the police searching Laura's room and that's when they encounter the camcorder, which at the time they don't really focus too much on. But you know that the camcorder is going to come into play later on. We find out that another student or another girl is also missing, which causes the local sawmill to shut down where we get to see that beautiful lady all over again, Josie Packard you find out that she is the owner of the local sawmill. And she's kind of embroiled in a little uh, pissing match with her husband's sister?
0: Yes, yeah, her her her, her, de- her deceased husband's sister. Yeah.
1: And um, they're arguing because she wants to shut down the sawmill out of respect for the other missing girl. Because uh, the other missing girl's father works at the salt mill. yeah and you get to see this lady i forget her name um is it catherine
0: uh catherine yeah
1: and catherine is oh she is a nasty little thing <laughs> because after she doesn't get her own way she will comes down the stairs and she just randomly encounters an employee and she just fires him on the spot for no reason <laughs> so she's just a jerk a jerk <laughs> And then after the guy gets fired, we encounter a strange girl who turns out to be, I think, Ronette. Ronette Pulaski. And she is in, like, rags. You see that her hands were tied. And clearly this is victim number two from whatever happened the night before. At and this point, away we and... know her as mm-hmm? victim number two. Victim number two, yes. And um, we finally get to meet Dale Cooper. Special Agent I mean, Himbo. We took a bit to get here uh we got laura palmer's body straight away Mm -hmm. but it took a bit to get to dale cooper i was surprised how long it took for him to enter the story and he is right away speaking to a disembodied person i guess diane into this voice recorder and um he's right away talking about coffee i think and Mm -hmm. trees yeah i wonder (laughs) what kind of trees these are yeah, it's it's very particular.
0: I really appreciate the way he talks though. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh so one of the one of the questions that I had and I I don't know if this is offensive to ask. Um but do based on this episode alone, do you think that that Coop is a bit autistic or do you think he's just eccentric? I definitely think Dale Cooper is neurospicy. spicy neuro He's spicy. definitely
1: like I I, I think he's neurospicy. Maybe very lightly on the spectrum, maybe. There's just a very unique way to him and the cadence in, in which he speaks and how particular he is about things. That I feel like he has to have. Are <laughs> still laughing about that? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Never heard that um, before. Oh my god, I'm crying. I'm crying. Oh.
1: <laughs> there is something special about Dale Cooper that I really appreciate. But I, I, I do think there is a neurospiciness to him. What do you think? Uh I mean I only have an episode to
0: go it, off of him, so I don't know. I, I'm just that, that's true. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was kind of unfair to ask at this point. Um No, he's he is a very very specific person. Um, I but I I can I you know what I'll we'll save we'll save that question for the end of season one because because you know we'll we'll find we'll find out his mannerisms and the things that he does that go the entire series without answers. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 go back to that later. I was just curious based on the first episode. I I I would think that um, he's working with a little something extra. He definitely fixates
1: on very random things, and you see that mm-hmm. straight away. He repeats throughout the episode, I only need a clean place and a good rate for, like, where he's going to be staying. He says that twice. Wait, it, it feels he a little on the trees, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, almost robotic. Um But I don't know, I I relate. I relate because I will get (laughs) hung up on very specific things and fixate on them. So we'll see. Um, Also, I'm very curious about Diane. Is Diane like the alpha of the power, like alpha from Power Rangers for Dale Cooper? I don't know. He's constantly Um, talking to her, spouting off messages. I feel sorry if she has to sit there and actually go through all of, The voice recordings because he says a lot of very out of pocket shit to her that's just very (laughs) random that has nothing to do with the case. Like Douglas Furs. The surviving girl that we still don't know who she is, even though we do. um, She's shown in a hospital bed. And I was not expecting them to go as hard as they did when they were like she was raped several times yes and they think she's they they suspect that she has neurological damage and she needs a, a, a cat scan and the line they, of the girl doesn't know where she is or if she is i feel like that that was a very intentional line mm-hmm. because dale i think questions that right or or was it sheriff harry S. Uh which one questions that line one of them did.
0: um uh I I think it's the sheriff because Cooper is pretty much like, I want to talk to her now. I'm going to question her now. And the nurse is like, no, no, you can't. And he's like, obviously paraphrasing, he's like, no, I'm going to do it. And she's like, no, she doesn't even know where she is, if she is, you know. And uh, I think that, you know, there's, you're going to find a lot of moments like uh, to make the argument about whether or not Twin Peaks is is a horror show. I think there can be arguments made against it i personally think that it is a, a horror show i this show does a good job at towing the line between horror drama police procedural it's so many different types of shows put into one and it's lines like uh the the multiple rapes the she doesn't know if she is where she is it's those lines that really make this show feel gritty and ultra horrific, in in my opinion. Yeah, and I keep seeing that the show, they keep labeling it as
1: a murder mystery soap opera. So, mm-hmm. as of now, I'm mostly seeing murder mystery soap opera. But I'm assuming things, you know, get a little crazy down the line. But we'll see. Yeah, Very. <laughs> So why why is it? We find out a little bit later, but literally Dale Cooper enters the room and he's like show me the hands. I must see the hands. And he's fixated mm-hmm. on hands again and we find out it's because a year or so or so earlier something similar happened. When he finally gets a chance to inspect Laura Palmer's body soon after you discover that there was a letter embedded in her fingernail. And while he's Mm -hmm. doing this, like, the lights are flickering. It's crazy. While I was watching this, I was thinking, is this intentional? Like, is there something supernatural going on? Again, it goes back to the whole dreamy sequence type thing. You didn't find it was weird when they were, like, doing this and the lights are
0: flickering and shit in a hospital? Uh, you know, I, no, I, I, I think it's incredibly weird and it's, I want to say, due to what either happens right before the morgue scene or right after. Because do you remember when they're on the elevator and the guy gets off and he only has one arm? Was that the psychiatrist? No, 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 no. This was Because um, I remember this there was... being a weird guy yes yeah uh at one point uh dale and the sheriff are in the elevator and there's a guy that gets on and then gets off one floor before them and uh we see a singular front profile shot of him and he's missing an arm and i (laughs) i'm trying i'm trying to say this say this without spoiling uh I think that there's something that that no that, that he has to do with it. But it is very weird. It's okay. it's it it's odd. It feels a little podunk um low budget hospital uh and I it, and it does do a lot for the atmosphere of the scene as well.
1: Well, they they kind of mention the fact that it is kind of podunk because they don't have a cat scan machine. They're like we have to ship our ass out to do this cuz we don't have it. Yeah. Which, I don't know if, like, in the 90s, was the CAT scan, like, super advanced? I don't know, uh, but, I mean, it clearly was advanced for Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Andy. What do you think of Andy? Yeah. He's a crybaby. I don't get it. <laughs> well, maybe because he's, like, in this tiny little town and he doesn't see crazy things, so he's not a hardened cop, but he's constantly crying. And um, I think he's the one that we see that discovers where all this happened, which looks like a train station or like I don't know what what it, I would describe it as, but it seems like there's a bunch of random train
0: carts just like thrown about, right? What what where is this at? I I yeah I just think it's kind of an abandoned rail yard where there's just a bunch of. Uh, abandoned trains for people to do nefarious things at.
1: Well, clearly, but, um, <laughs> but he's having but, like this breakdown over whatever they found, and, um, and we th- get this to is see a, Lucy again a, because he calls her right.
0: Yes, yeah, and this is his <clears throat> his second time crying in this episode because uh, when he is asked to photograph Laura's body and then they flip her over and he sees who it is. He starts to cry and he's told to go step away. Um, is he related to them? No, I No, Again, I think it's just one of those things. It, it's a, I I would say as a small town cop, you know, the most things that you're going to have to really worry about is domestic issues, maybe, you know, at, at, at the very most. And, um, I I just think that it's something that he's not used to, and he is the definition of a soft boy.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, I'm talking shit, but I guess the things that he's seeing on that day are... not Normal people wouldn't want to see that. I wouldn't want to see it, but you don't see that really from cops very often, so... Yeah. I can empathize a little bit, but still... Get it together, Andy. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I think after this, they they show us the interrogation with Dale and Bobby. And right away, Mm -hmm. it's implied that Dale knows that Bobby was innocent. Which is strange because he he types on the calculator, didn't do it. And it immediately brings me back to memories of high school because I used to... In my high school, we all had to have TI-83s, right, for class. And we would text because you could type. And we would write a long-ass message, close it, and then pass it. Like, instead of passing a note, you'd pass your calculator. But this is an old-ass calculator that back in the day, like, you could just write boobs. How did he write this message on there? Did not do it. (laughs) Did you do that in high school? Did you ever write boobies on, on the calculator?
0: Oh yeah we we had to use the TI-84's yeah. <laughs> um uh, and well, you're i you're a little younger yeah, than <laughs> me our um our, our teachers would make us factory reset our calculators um cuz you know you could save your notes in the calculator um uh but no I it, very very similar things yes we we would do that Did you have Mario on your calculator no, uh, we had uh, we had a guy that could get bejeweled snake and a racing game.
1: We had a kid in our class that got fucking Mario running on his calculator. <laughs> the old Mario, the old old Mario. You
0: know, the, yeah. The, there was always that one kid that knew how to get games on your calculator, and I think we would all pay I'm him like five they, bucks or something. I'm surprised they didn't get Doom working on that because I feel like. The
1: old Doom runs on basically anything. I've seen it playing on, like, refrigerators. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly they know that Bobby didn't do it. And Mm -hmm. they turn their gaze to Donna. And um, things get weird with Donna's interrogation because the camcorder that they found earlier in the episode, okay, showed a video of them, like in the woods in a field on a mountaintop something like that and they're like dancing about and they're both shown so somebody had to have recorded them and um she claims that there was a random female hitchhiker that they encountered that recorded them but dale knows that to be a lie so why would donna lie like it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense, especially like I get it you want to cover up the secret that your friend had, but she's dead and yeah. the FBI is there. Unless it's something terrible, why wouldn't you just say it? Like, who cares if she was cheating? I my
0: uh, But I guess my, high school girl logic, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it it's funny. Uh there's the in, in her diary, it references the letter J. And Coop's like, well, we have to find who this J is, and I bet he owns a motorcycle. <clears throat> and it's, it's so strange that when Bobby is being interrogated and asked about the letter J, you know, at this point, Bobby, you're in the hot seat. If the detective says, who's J, you know James, and he has a motorcycle, and I don't know why Bobby didn't just try and immediately throw James under the bus. I know Bobby wanted to go beat the shit out of himself. Um, but no, it, it it is very strange about how um, uh, Donna is trying to keep the identity of James a secret. Or the fact that he was there that day. Because... I. I it, it it's very weird, and I don't understand it. I don't understand why she's trying to hide uh, James's involvement at her location. Yeah, it doesn't make
1: sense. And the only thing that that could explain it to me is just high school kid logic.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. The fact yeah, that, that that's fair.
1: It's the only thing that could possibly make sense because. I mean, if I were in that situation, I'd be like, "The FBI's here. I'm not fucking around. Like, I'm I'm coming clean. She's dead already. Who cares? <laughs> like, wh- wh- what are you hiding things from?" Um, so yeah, w- we know that she lied. Dale knows that she lied, um, because it turns out in the reflection of the pupil, you see a motorcycle. I'm not sure how he picked up on that because I never would have. But again, we go no. back to his neuro spiciness that he probably fixated <laughs> on it somehow. I don't know. But there is a motorcycle reflected on her people.
0: I don't think that camera could have done that. Just saying. <laughs> Plot hole. Especially Plot hole back David then Lynch. with
1: the resolutions. Yeah. Like, but we've got to suspend a little disbelief here. <laughs> so we get to another one of those dreamy, strange sequences where we... We go back to Aubrey and um, she is she's got like a pen or a pencil and she's just taunting the lady next to her like she poked a hole in a cup and she's taunting her that she's going to pull it out so that all the coffee comes spilling out. And of course she does it and um, she prances off to a meeting room and she lets all the Norwegians know that her best friend was found dead. And she starts causing a show and crying, and that leads us to the Norwegians are leaving, the Norwegians are leaving, the Norwegians are gone. And the property sale has just fallen flat. Uh, and um, there's this weird, goofy music playing in the background that just, it feels like it's very out of place. To me, yeah. very, very David Finchian, saying <laughs> it on purpose. It's very David Finchian to me because we just saw this girl's fingernail, like, prodded. A letter was mm-hmm. removed. An interrogation happened. And then next thing you know, the Norwegians are leaving with goofy music playing. It's very strange. I mean, I really, I, I liked it, but it felt out
0: of place. in, in the, the whole time the concierge is saying that the Norwegians are leaving, she's ringing the bell out front. It's just it's just one of those things where Twin Peaks is like the perfect town for me, but it also kind of feels like a waking nightmare. Just a constant oddity of something weird is happening. I don't know why it's happening, but I'm going to embrace what's happening to me.
1: Yeah, I, I what was the purpose of the alarm? <laughs> like they have to
0: sound the alarm that the Norwegians are leaving. Uh, maybe that's the we just lost a ten million dollar deal alarm i I
1: can't imagine like Aubrey must have a lot of nerve to do that to whoever was it.
0: was it her dad or is it Laura's dad? yes, um, so uh Ben Horn, the guy that owns that the lodge that's her father, and then um Leland Palmer is his business partner. Well, if if I did
1: that to my mom and her sale fell through because of that, my ass would have been beat so hard.
0: <laughs> B- I w- based on the, I would not be coming home. Ba- based on the story that I heard about your mother earlier, um, I completely can see that, and yes. I think you're smart enough to know that you would never do that. Um... I would not have done that. <laughs> Believe me.
1: Um, so fast forwarding a little bit. Dale is now officially at the the train tracks where they found Ronette, and where they believe uh, is the site, yeah. like the location of the crime.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, that's where we find blood, a mound of dirt, half of a golden heart necklace, and a note that says "Fire, walk with me." Now, as someone who's never watched this, but I do like have an idea of like. Season one, season two, there's a movie, and then there's another season. I find it crazy that in the pilot, we get Fire Walk With Me, and we know that there's a movie later on titled that. So they lay oh, the yeah. groundwork for so much in this tiny little two-hour
0: pilot. Oh, yeah. Now he it, the, the amount of breadcrumbs that he sprinkles throughout this are it it's going back and re-watching it is just as fascinating as watching it for the first time and you know it, it's one of those things where like if you watch if you go back and watch inception for the 10th time you're still probably going to find something new but i i don't think inception is uh a, a good movie but i i th- i think that uh it's impressive to see that I think David Lynch had this full idea in his head and Mark Frost um from the beginning and he's like, Okay, I'm gonna make this weird ass show and I'm gonna sprinkle this piece of information here and then episode two will get this. Uh episode three, sure we'll put a little bit of this in. You know, and I, I love to see just these small ideas conceptualized in this first episode and then blow up to be a feature length movie between the show ending and the show coming back it, it's very impressive yeah the amount
1: of world building that and planning that had to like be done for this I don't know what Firewalk with me means I'm assuming it's very important I wonder what they thought when this actually premiered I mean now that we have the whole series out like, clearly, it was important enough that it got a movie title. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it means. I don't want to know what it means yet. So, no spoilers. I, I will not. <laughs> so, after this, we do get to see what was in Laura Palmer's safe deposit box. And mm-hmm. this is when things get, start getting a little weird. Because Laura Palmer was just your typical girl next door, 17 years old, popular girl. You know... They find $10,000 in cash, a porn magazine that has a scandalous photo of Ronette Pulaski circled. And that was the girl that was found earlier. I think they allude to the fact that there was cocaine in the mix, maybe. And right away, the sheriff was like, there's no way. Laura Palmer was a good girl. (laughs) And, um... Dale, like, clocks it, like, I bet you that's going to test positive for cocaine, but no one can fathom Mm -hmm. that that's what it would be. So, clearly, we're seeing that there's
0: something nefarious going on. And I, 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 I like, I, I know that a lot of this has just been me kind of reiterating what's happening, but, uh, this idea of, uh, you don't, you think, I think that I know my next door neighbor, I watch her dog when she's gone. I take her dog out to the bathroom. You know, I I've met I've met her three daughters. I think I know her, but maybe I don't. You know, I I love the idea of this uh, cliche, typical all-American girl type. Is she was the prom queen? You know, she everyone in town knows her. The sheriff knows her. The principal cries when he finds out that she dies, and then. Just everything that we're gonna find out that she's been doing behind the scenes is just a continue continual gut punch after gut punch. And uh, the way that that uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost uh, weave this tale of, I don't want to say debauchery, but that's almost kind of what it is. It It's,, uh, I the, the character of Laura, is the main character, even though she's dead. And there's no way around it.
1: Is Ronette her friend? Like, actually, don't even answer that because I don't want any spoilers. But I just, I thought it was weird. Why would, I'm assuming she knows her, they're friendly, maybe they went to school together. Why would she be in a porn magazine? It's so random.
0: Yeah, I can't answer that. I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. Don't answer that. Yeah, I'm not going to. Um,
1: so we get introduced to one of the more eccentric characters. I'm going to lovingly call her Eyepatch. That is Nadine. Big Ed's girlfriend, wife. Um, yeah, she... that, uh, Na-
0: Nadine is Big Ed's wife. Is that, is that Eyepatch? Yeah, yes. The yeah. one with the drapes? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm just going to call her Eyepatch. Okay. And she right away is just obsessed with drapes or curtains and, um yeah, so so we we see her opening and closing <laughs> her drapes on repeat, and um, I have to know Th- the eye patch has to be a choice. do we find out why she wears an eye patch later on, or is just she wears an eye patch?
0: um, so I will actually be a hundred percent honest with you. I can't remember if we find out a reason for the eye patch, okay, but I. I could confidently bet you, the little amount of money that is currently in my bank account that you will never ever guess her character arc. <laughs> it's she. It it's so completely out of this world. Like you're you're bringing up the Norwegians right now. Oh my God! I can't wait for you to see what happens to her. It's it is absolutely <laughs> insane. Also, so the, um, the important it, thing. Hmm? Uh because no. of Fine. uh because of Nadine and Big Ed, because of their role as husband and wife in this show, um uh Wes Craven liked their chemistry so much that he cast them the very next year to play husband and wife in uh the people under the stairs, if you've ever seen that. That that's them? Yeah, the he's the one that wears no the gimb suit and yeah.
1: So yeah, these two are married. Big Ed. He mm-hmm. he like works at the gas station. And then you've got eye patch and she just plays with the drapes. After seeing this, we get introduced also to another very eccentric character. Who's the lady with the log? We call her the log lady. <laughs> and um this is all going on at the town meeting, and we just see the lady with the log. I think was she just like turning on and off the lights?
0: Yeah, she was uh uh, it reminds me Do you, uh, did you ever watch Spongebob? I've seen some episodes, yeah uh, Do you remember the Hash Slinging Slasher episode Where um, the lights start to flicker And Spongebob goes Oh, that's just Nosferatu uh, <laughs> I think I've seen that At least as a meme <laughs> uh, That that remind Because that's basically her job To flick the lights up and down So that uh, the people at the town hall Will pay attention to what's about to be said Um, and that is her, that is the introduction of the log lady, a a fitting introduction, if I do say so. And
1: no one seems to think it's weird that there's a a log lady at the meeting.
0: Uh, I mean, other than Dale, (laughs) right? You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things, uh, you know, uh, my hometown growing up, we had the balloon guy. Um, who would just sit out of different convenience stores and uh, he was he was unhoused I believe and he would just make balloons for people and then one day he up and moved to Colorado and got killed by a bear Um, so I think I think every town has like that that one person now he didn't talk to his balloons like she talks to her log Um, but yeah maybe that's just one of those things where it's like eh, she's 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 the log lady she's got the log you know (laughs) Does she
1: get a storyline similar to iPatch, or is just the Log Lady? I know I think you mentioned that in the box set, she mm-hmm. does the intros to the episode.
0: Yes, and the, the intros look very dated, so I kind of think that that might have been something with the original run of the show, where every episode would start with an introduction from the Log Lady. I don't know where that came to be. Uh, Her—I her... I will say this— without spoiling anything, her uh, presence in the story of Twin Peaks is very nebulous. She's there when she needs to be there, and those are the only times you see her. There's never a scene where she kind of feels uh, forced or just put in to be weird um, and Finchian, as we would say. Uh, She exists to be... Uh, a a shaman—that's the wrong word. She exists to be a tool of some sort.
1: Do you get to know her <laughs> um, through the intros? Am I missing out on
0: anything by not watching it through the box set? No, it's it's more. Uh, it's kind of like a, at the beginning of the Twilight Zone or uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents. It's it's more of a. I am presenting this episode to you. Uh, from what I remember, there's no there's no uh, canon story beats for her from that. But if uh, I am speaking incorrectly, um, I'll, I'll watch every intro before uh, before we record. So if there is something, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to, to bring it up. So at the town meeting, Cooper states that he believes that Laura was the second victim.
1: The first was claimed a year ago, and Ronette would have been the third. He thinks there's a chance that the person that committed the crime may be from the town. The town is placed on curfew. And, you know, as, as we know in most horror <laughs> movies, curfews really don't do anything for anyone.
0: Did, uh, gr- growing up, did your town have a curfew for kids? So
1: technically, we had a curfew for Halloween of 8 p.m., but no one ever bothered with that. Um, only only on Halloween? Only on Halloween, That's know. so weird.
0: Yeah, and even then, like, no one, it didn't stop anyone. Yeah. I, I, my, my town had a, a curfew of 11 p.m., but I kind of grew up in the boonies a little bit, and uh, the closest convenience store was, you know, it was like a, a five-minute walk um but even if we were out past 11 the cops would just be like go home um do you remember though uh the 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 covid curfews i do and covid for
1: my area turned everything into a ghost town
0: uh oh i i couldn't even imagine yeah it...
1: like complete ghost town like and i i live in a pretty busy area it's it was a ghost town.
0: Yeah, it it was kind of scary because the first two months of the lockdown, I was still considered an essential worker, which I hated that term. Uh, and I still had to travel into the city every night. And there were multiple times where I got stopped by police because uh, the, the curfew I think here was 9 p.m. And I would have my, my work badge and I would show them where I was going. And, you know, even just getting into, like, Penn Station, just seeing those streets completely empty was horrifying.
1: Yeah. um, It was very weird um, how dead the city turned.
0: But Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks, not COVID. God.
1: (laughs) Um, So after the, the curfew gets put into place, and we kind of jump to Donna's home where she's speaking with her sister, Harriet, and she decides that she wants to go out to meet James at the roadhouse. And she kind of bargains with her a little and she borrows her sister's bike, jumps out the window, and off she goes to the roadhouse. Um,
0: and uh, if I can just say, uh, I'm 99% sure this is the only time we see Harriet. Harriet is kind of a weird yeah. character. Like, did you notice
1: after she left, Harriet just started saying these random lines? Or was it a poem? Was it a song?
0: I, I, I know I exactly what you're
1: I should have Googled the lines because I, I don't know if it actually is a reference to something. But it didn't make any sense to me. And I just chalked it up as something Finchian. Yes. And, yeah. um... Then the dad comes in because the blonde guy shows up. I, I don't remember his name at all. Her her toxic, very toxic boyfriend. Yeah, he shows up and the dad comes upstairs looking for him, for, for Donna. And Harriet right away is like, I'm going to be square with you, dad. <laughs> 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 she, left, like, she doesn't even try to hide it. And um, yeah, gives it up and um, Donna gets ratted out.
0: And yeah, so Donna goes to the Roadhouse, which is the local bar um, that has seemingly live music on a Wednesday night, which yeah, I guess that's not too strange. Just it seems a little bit off, but this, they just let kids into this fucking bar. It's It's a very weird thing. I don't know if it's a 90s thing
1: or not, but like, remember Buffy, like the bronze? These high school kids were always partying it up. You can't really tell if they're drinking, but they're definitely partying like they're in college. <laughs> and also the musical choice is very um, unique. I wish I looked up who was the performer. Is she someone famous? Is that like a special song?
0: Um, I don't necessarily exactly remember that, but these music sequences become very, very important later on.
1: Yeah, it, it really stood out to me, but I wasn't sure if it was just for the episode or if it was someone important. Because I know early 90s Buffy, they had big musical acts in their episodes. Um, so I don't know if she was someone that was popular back then in the 90s or not. I didn't recognize her. But anyway, at the bar, um, a fight breaks out because her ex or her boyfriend is a douche.
0: right? And uh, he, he's with Bobby as well.
1: Yeah. And um, she kind of gets away. But also, while we're there at the bar, you find out that Big Ed is cheating on drapes with another lady. <sighs>
0: Wait, sorry, you're calling her Drapes instead of Eyepatch? Uh,
1: listen, you got to keep up. We got Eyepatch and Drapes are the same person. What is her name? Uh, Nadine. <laughs> yeah, I like Drapes better.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that works.
1: Um, Big Ed is cheating on Drapes, and um, this town is just so horny. Like, there's so many love triangles going on there's another love triangle that that gets introduced later on into the episode. Mm-hmm. Um but you know in this pilot episode they just they're just laying down the pipe left and
0: right. It 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 is very sensual even though nothing overtly sexual happens in this episode. Uh there there are a lot of times where you're you're talking at your collar you're like okay all right let's go. <laughs> um but yeah the the lady that he is with is um uh, i can't believe i'm forgetting her name but she she owns the 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 double r uh okay yeah did we see her earlier in the episode yes yeah when when uh james was picking uh, when, up the girl when bobby, bobby when bobby picks up um oh my god i'm so, i sh- i should have written all these names down bobby picks up the girl that's going home to leo who's not supposed to be home at that time but i think i'm jumping ahead a scary truck driver yes yeah
1: so since donna was ratted out by her sister Mm -hmm. the father calls the cops and lets the sheriff know that she escaped lets them know where they're off to so the cops now are on their way to the roadhouse do they see her there or are they just waiting for her to leave Uh, i don't think they... they
0: got out of the cop car they did not. They see her go in. Um, the only cops that go inside are the backup that arrive when I think the Sheriff Truman. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Sheriff Truman might call for backup or someone in the bar does. But yeah.
1: And while they're in the car, we're treated to probably the standout quote of the episode. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you want to do the honors or not.
0: Should. Should we... Uh, I was trying to think of a fun name for these quotes. Uh, should we call them call the Daily Dale? Uh,
1: Daily Dale works. That works. Quote and Coop. Quote and Coop works. Um, but yes, yeah, so... Maybe we can ask on Instagram. And let yes, them vote on yeah.
0: what they want to call it. Yes, I like that. Uh, yeah, so th- this is a, a fantastic line. Uh, this comes as the second point in the episode where Cooper is doing something absurd and Sheriff Truman is kind of like and he's like do you want to know why I'm doing this and Sheriff Truman's kind of like okay why Uh, so Coop is like do you want to know why I'm whittling Sheriff Truman says okay I'll bite again why are you whittling Dale Cooper responds with uh, because that's what you do in a town where a yellow light still means slow down not speed up iconic definitely
1: iconic but like where do people come up with these ideas where would he have gotten that impression that this is what you do in a town where yellow light means to slow down and not sit sit in your car and whittle (laughs) also like i'm imagining dale cooper sitting in the passenger seat whittling where are all the chips going is he just making a, a fucking mess in this guy's car and just, like, <laughs> haha, deal with it? Do you think he just sweeps it off his lap onto the floor when he's done? Does he have a little baggie that's catching all the chips? Like, I'm, these are all the things that are going through my mind. Do you think Dale Cooper has a baggie to catch the chips, or is he just going to sweep it off his lap onto the floor?
0: Um, Actually, okay, so that that's a really good point you raised, and I think that uh, that's kind of one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you about from from what you know about Dale Cooper uh you know based on the the cultural things you've seen about him he comes off as a as a sweet i think I, the word i used to describe him was himbo he's he's obviously very smart but he seems aloof somewhat this episode kind of really makes him out to be a dickhead did were you picking up on pick that up at on at all? i picked up on dickhead i picked up on
1: Unaware. Unaware, but acutely aware. Like,
0: he may not realize it. Was he a dickhead? Uh, so the, there there were a few times where he... I can't even read my notes. My handwriting's awful. Uh, and th- th- this is a perfect example. He probably did just wipe... And, you know, again, they're just wood shavings, and they live in this forest town. So it's probably not a huge deal. Uh, but he... Uh he and I, I this might also play into my questioning of whether he's uh, kind of autistic or not. When he and Sheriff Truman are at the hospital, he pulls him aside and blankly stares him in the face and says, I'm in charge, not you. You better be OK with that. And if you're not, so be it. You know, there's all these tiny mo- he's a complete jerk that and again, Bobby's being questioned for a murder. Uh, but he's he's a complete jerk to Bobby. Uh, you know, there's there's just all these small moments where he's not as nice as I remembered him to be. I think a lot of it boils
1: down to is he's an FBI agent, I guess. Like, cop's going to cop. True. Um, yeah. And he still has to maintain that facade mm-hmm. of douchiness. Like, okay. I have to, you know, assert some form of authority, especially at least... In pop culture, it always seems like there's a pissing match between the FBI and and cops or like state troopers and local cops, and I just took it as you know he's an FBI agent and he wants to make sure that the cop knows
0: you answer to me. That that that's fair. That's right. He, so he's more stern than an asshole. Yeah, um, I, I would say so.
1: I I need to get to know him more to really pinpoint it. I would think, like, okay. if, if he were to just wipe th- the chips uh, off of him onto the floor, I would think it's not to be a douche. I would think it's because he doesn't realize he's making a mess in his car. Probably because, you know, some kind of degree of neurodivergence in him. I don't know. <laughs> his spiciness? Neuro spiciness. Like, he probably just doesn't even realize it. Because, who, first of all, who just starts whittling? Uh, where did he get the <laughs> stick?
0: Did, How do did you, you learn to whittle? Like,
1: Is that something that you have to like... It's not like he could have Googled it back then. Do you uh, get maybe, a book?
0: Maybe he did an, an apprenticeship.
1: M- maybe. <laughs> so we see Donna make off with James on the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And they drive off into, I guess, the woods. And um, they're followed by Dale and the sheriff. And they kind of like park and wait donna and james are talking and they kind of share a lot of important information because we learn that james was with laura the night before and apparently they were in a relationship with each other Mm -hmm. james reveals that laura was acting strange and that bobby revealed to her that he killed someone correct yeah um It kind of makes sense now, like after what we've seen in the episode, that James is the person that has the name that starts with the J, has the motorcycle, and was the person that was recording with the camcorder that they have. But you also find out that he has the other half of the locket that they found at the crime scene. So Donna is like, you got to hide that. They're going to look for it. And when you have the other side, they're going to blame you. So they dig the most nonsensical tiny hole that doesn't make any sense and just plop whatever rock on top of it. Like, they don't even try. They get on the bike and they speed off. What did you think about finding out that Bobby had killed someone? I didn't see that coming at all, even though he's a a douche. But, you know, these are just dumb, dumb high school kids. And you're finding out all these terrible things about them.
0: At the time upon first viewing I also did not believe it um and now I'm not saying that Laura is a drama queen or trying to start any unnecessary rumors but I do feel that it's as if kind of uh, I don't want this to sound bad but almost kind of a backup plan for her so where uh say James does something to hurt her he knows that the other person that she's dating could has killed someone before i think that it was more upon my first viewing i i was kind of taking it as an insurance policy more or less to, to make sure that all of her bases are are covered and that no one's gonna and that james isn't gonna you know mess with her or or physically or sexually assault her in, in any way so as they're speeding off
1: dale and the sheriff pull up behind them they basically take james away what else happened i feel like i'm, I'm jumping around a bit am i missing anything
0: no no the no, more or less that happens
1: and they wind up in
0: basically the the town's jail and then you see and and then Bobby and the blonde guy are there from presumably the bar fight that they started and they start barking at
1: him yes um i don't know if it was just something that i missed and i didn't pick up on but to me it was just very finchian for them to just randomly start barking and i feel like there was a very big focus on their teeth
0: yeah uh i i just kind of looked at it more as a um as an intimidation tactic even though you know they are separated by 10 feet and two cell doors uh it's uh, i think that they're just trying to kind of wind james up and and get him on edge and nervous the the zoom into the teeth i think more that's just a uh lynch creative direction idea i think it looks good i think it's cool i think it's 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 a strange shot and I didn't really think into it too deeply until uh, you mentioned it when we had a, had a discussion before this about it. I think it fits, but it is very odd. So once they leave uh,
1: the little jail area, uh, we have Dale and the sheriff sitting in, I guess, like a meeting room at the, the police headquarters. And there are donuts laid out meticulously in like pairs. Very weird.
0: Which, uh, that uh, have you seen that image has become a meme
1: online? I haven't actually, and I'm pretty like one with the internet, and I haven't seen it at all. It, like, I've never it, seen The Donut Room or anything related to it. Today, I actually looked up some food stuff that are related to Twin Peaks, and I saw that Twin Peaks is listed as one of the earliest foodie shows around. But I didn't want to read too much into it because I didn't want to
0: spoil anything. Uh, I, I, I don't get that, but I maybe maybe I just I'll mis- share the comments. article with
1: you when we're done, okay? Because
0: okay. I didn't read it, and you let me know
1: what you think. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, he also mentions that he had Lucy arrange the donuts.
0: Yes, the um, the the receptionist slash dispatcher. dispatcher. You know yeah. what? Maybe that's why she has so many phones, honestly. She's a receptionist. She's a dispatcher. A donut um, arranger. A donut arranger. <laughs> I wonder what started the whole
1: stereotype that cops love donuts. How did that start? My my stepdad was a retired cop, and he would get so butthurt if you would make a donut joke to him. <laughs> It was, very, it was a very sensitive topic to him.
0: Uh, maybe it's a, a ploy from, from Dunkin' Donuts somehow. A maybe. marketing scheme. Year, years in the making. I don't know. That is, that is a good question.
1: So we come back to Dale's line that he has repeated several times about looking for a room that is both clean and has a good rate. <laughs> and the sheriff recommends the Great Northern. So we kind of have come like full circle because earlier in the episode we start with the Great Northern. that's where Audrey's at and now Dale Cooper will be staying there. Um,
0: that's a it's a nice it's a nice place. I would love to stay there.
1: Let's see. I'm trying to see do we want to talk about first the fact that the sheriff is in a tryst with Josie?
0: Yeah, yeah it's there
1: because you know Twin Peaks. Horny AF. <laughs> everyone is sleeping with everyone.
0: I mean, I will say they're cute together.
1: Yeah, and Josie kind of like ruminates on the fact that 24 hours ago, you know, a gruesome murder would have been happening. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, kind of morbid. But given everything that's gone on in their tiny little town, and then
0: yeah, it, we. It, it would. It's. The. The one person in town that everybody knows has been murdered in a very unfortunate, dramatic isn't the right word, and in a very upsetting way, and uh, you know it's it's it, it's hard on them, and I I can't imagine that you think you live in this idyllic town where the cops sit at traffic lights and whittle, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's I, I, I can understand the, the ruminating on it, but, you know, when... Uh, I don't know. I was going to say when you're about to have sex with someone, maybe don't think about it, but...
1: Well, it, it's very clear, though, um, Mrs. Packard is, like, a very empathetic person because not only she she was there almost uh, by like by proxy this morning um, cuz she was like at the bar where they basically found Laura but then when she found that one of her employee, um, employees had a daughter that went missing she wanted to shut down the police so clearly she's moved by this mm-hmm. um and clearly she's also still thinking about it um late into the night when the sheriff comes over um and then, of course, I think this happens while the credits are rolling. You see a gloved hand remove the stone, dig half an inch into the earth, and pick up the locket. And that's the ending.
0: Who do you, who do you think that is?
1: Well, I'm just going to throw out random names because there's no way I would know. <laughs> there's no way. But based off of everything that I've seen today, my prime suspect is Catherine. Mrs. Okay. Packard's yeah. sister-in-law. In in just be, is that her name? I think her name is Catherine.
0: Uh, yes, yeah.
1: Only because she's a jerk. That's the only reason why I'm throwing that name out there. I don't like her. She's the killer. Either that or it's Lucy.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That is and
1: Lucy's interesting. just. I'm just throwing a, a random name out there.
0: You know. I, I would
1: ask you, but clearly you know who the killer is, <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you.
0: Um, I found I found an infograph that I, that I wanted to bring to your attention real quick and this was um, this was aggregated after the pilot episode and uh, they had real time viewers call in and answer and it's who killed Laura Palmer the top at 31% of audience thought Dr. Jacoby the psychiatrist from the the weird guy that you had mentioned earlier from the hospital uh, 31% of viewers thought he did it 1% of viewers thought Josie Packard is the killer 6% of people also believe that she was still alive
1: <laughs> Laurie Laura
0: Palmer yeah <laughs> I mean she was in a bag <laughs> oh god um yeah, I, I thought I just wanted to bring that infograph up to so you. So I, thought I it was could see Mrs. Packard maybe just because
1: she was so worked up over it. Like clearly she was still feeling the effects of everything, but I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's Mrs. Packard. Okay. I mean they're they're really going to make the single minority in the fucking town the killer? <laughs> no, they can't. Well, maybe it's the '90s, so it's a possibility. But I I I would hope not that. David Lynch didn't do that.
0: <laughs> uh, so would you say that the uh, that the whittling quote is your is your favorite quote of the episode?
1: Yes. Um, close second place, the Norwegians are leaving. okay. but I mean, if it's Dale Cooper only, then I would say, of course it's it's got to be the whittling.
0: I, th- I, yeah, I, I would probably have to say that. That's, I'd probably say that's my favorite. Or, so, or who's the lady with the log? <laughs> that's another really good. That's another good line. What character
1: stood out to you the most in in the pilot? I. It could be have... because they're eccentric, they're unique, anything. Which one stood out to you the most?
0: I think that that is a tough one. Uh, my least favorite character is james but i would have to say the standout character is probably laura's mother I, and just i i think just it's it's more because of uh the acting in the the franticness and the the I, I just think that she she's an amazing actor
1: and i think yeah. they did a good job in general because A lot of times in TV shows or movies, people die, and I feel like they move on so fast. Mm -hmm. And in this, you actually felt like they lost someone that they felt was important to them. And the mother does a very good job at that. Um, What about you?
0: Please don't say James.
1: No, no. (laughs) Definitely not James. It would have to be... I was so smitten by Mrs. Packard. Opening scene. I was very smitten as well with Audrey. Okay. But I have to give it to Lucy. I, okay. there's something okay. about Lucy. I love her voice. I love the shtick that she goes through. I think she is a cool, funny, unique character and she probably stood out the most to me. Um, second place would be Mrs. Packard.
0: Okay, fair enough. I, I think I'd probably pick, I'd have Lucy as, as a very close second. She's she's wonderful. I I, I think you, you said it perfectly. Uh, I love her shtick it is uh, the the voice the the, the cadence of how she says everything it's just i, I think it's phenomenal
1: she's very endearing mm-hmm. so for every episode we wanted to rate it one out of 10 okay for this episode what would you rate on a scale of 1 to 10 Douglas first
0: Easy, 10 out of 10 Douglas Furs. Perfect episode, perfect setup. I should say perfect pilot, perfect setup. Amazing characters. You know how weird the show is going to be. And it's just, uh, it's an excellent mystery. And I think it sets up the mystery in a way that many other shows attempt to do but fail at.
1: I'm going to be contrarian. Okay. (laughs) Okay. only because i haven't seen the second episode yet and i feel like starting at a 10 out of 10 is just i don't want to give an a plus because then there's no room for improvement i thought the episode was great i've watched it two and a half times and i was interested in on both viewings i'm going to give it an eight and a half douglas Furs out of ten okay okay and that's only because it's the first episode i want to see where it goes I'm actually interested. I'm intrigued by everything. And I'm looking forward to see what happens in episode two. I have yet to watch. I can't wait. All right. Well, now that we've rated the episode, I'm really looking forward to episode two. I can't wait to record that with you, Brendan. Um, Twin Peaks has almost impossibly huge shoes to fill episode two should be coming out next tuesday so if you're watching with us make sure you have episode two watched and make sure you give us a follow um, between horror press and hp tv podcast both of them on instagram and um where can they find you brendan
0: uh i'm pretty much mainly active on the cesspool that is twitter and it's spooky double underscore guy
1: it's double underscore two.
0: Yes, two underscores. Not the word double. Oh, that would have been good if I put the word double underscore in my tag.
1: I don't think it'd fit, though.
0: Uh, that's true. Fucking character <laughs>
1: limits. Yeah, so make sure you give us a follow, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening, and also make sure you give us a rating. Uh, this is a brand new podcast, and we're trying to leave a good impression. Yeah, so see you next week for episode two of Twin Peaks.
0: Bye. Until next time.